This is Pastor Eric. Thanks so much for checking out our Life Church podcast. We pray that it's a blessing to you. For more information about Life Church, check us out at lifechurchutah.com. Remember, today I want to talk to you about you. I want to tell you this morning that you matter to God. I don't know if you know it or not, you probably do. There are 7.4 billion people in the world, approximately. That's a lot of folks, 7.4 billion, and it's growing exponentially. And with that many people in the world, it can be easy for us to wonder, does God even know who I am? Do I matter? Does my life matter? Maybe because of failures in your past, you wonder, do I have a future? Do I matter? Do I matter to God? Well, if there's one thing that I want you to know today, it's I want you to know the answer to that question. It's probably the most important question that you can answer for yourself. I want you to know that you do matter. You matter to God. You matter to us. You matter in the kingdom of God. Now, you may not matter to world statisticians who are dealing with billions of people and they don't care about single individuals. You may not matter to the world, but I want you to know something, you matter. And you may not matter to the company that you work for. You may just be a cog in the wheel, but I want you to know something, you matter. And your kids may treat you like you don't matter, but I want you to know something, you matter. And you may wonder at times if you matter to anyone, But I am here to tell you today that you matter. And the best news that I can give you is that you matter to the most important one in the universe. You matter to God. Uh, I want to take us over to Matthew chapter 4. And we're going to look at four verses there, 18 through 22. So you can turn there in your Bible if you want. I'll be reading from the New Living or you can watch the screen. It says, One day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew throwing a net into the water for they were they for they fished for a living and Jesus called out to them come follow me and I will show you how to fish for people and they left their nets at once and they followed him a little farther up the shore he saw two other brothers James and John sitting in a boat with their father Zebedee repairing their nets and he called them to come too and they immediately followed him leaving the boat and their father behind What intrigues me about these four verses in Scripture is the people that Jesus called, the four guys that he called. These were four men that he had never met before. Two of them were fishing from their boat at the moment that Jesus invited them to join him, and two others were with their father mending their their fishing nets. And Jesus called to all four of these obscure guys, and that call that he placed upon their lives changed their lives for the rest of their lives. I want you to know that the call of God is definitely different than the call of a man. Some of you come from religious traditions where the call of some spiritual leader was interpreted to be the call of God. I want you to know that no other person can tell you what God's will is for your life. They can advise you, they can can encourage you, but 
the will of God for your life comes from the call of God that's directly to you personally, a person that God knows intimately and cares about more than you can know. One thing that I have learned in life, and it's an important thing for you to understand, is that there are only so many life-changing events in life. There are just a few of them. And because there are just a few significant life-changing events in life, we need to be ready to identify them when they come along and to respond to them when they happen to us. Now, I believe that's what the Apostle Paul meant when he said in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 and 16, be careful how you live. Don't live like fools but like those who are wise, verse 16, making the most of every opportunity in these evil days. In other words, don't be foolish thinking that you have many significant opportunities in life. There are just a few. There are opportunities, but significant opportunities only come around very rarely. You need to be able to identify when they come to you, and you need to be ready to respond to God's call in your life. There are only so many. Don't waste them. And not only don't waste those opportunities, but be aware of them when they come around. That means you have to be able to hear the voice of God. Make the most out of those opportunities when that voice calls you. Now, four fishermen went to work one day thinking it would be the same as any other day in their relatively boring lives as fishermen. But what they found out is that this would be a life-changing day for them. Did they leave fishing because they hated their fishing jobs? Did they love their fishing jobs? I don't know. But it's interesting to me that the Bible says that in both cases, they left their nets immediately. Something moved them to respond to the call of Jesus Immediately. They didn't have to process it. They didn't have to think about it. Immediately they knew this was God calling to them. They didn't understand all of what they were in for, but they knew immediately this was a life-changing moment. So the picture is that they dropped their nets where they were and they followed Jesus. But I was wondering to myself, did they, did they leave their nets there because they hated fishing? Well, maybe so. Maybe they hated getting up every day before the crack of dawn getting everything ready to go out and to fish. Um, a few weeks ago, I, along with a few other families, went, we went fishing in a lake up in Idaho, in a stream up in Idaho. And we got there late in the afternoon, evening. We caught virtually nothing. But the next morning, we decided we got to get up early. And I want you to know, when we got up early, there were fish on the barbie that night. You know, we enjoyed the fish. Maybe these guys, though, were sick and tired of getting up early in the morning to have to go out and get ready to fish. Or maybe they were tired of the smell of fish. Maybe they just wanted a change for their lives. You know, there's something that, that, that invades the hearts of every person who's engaged in employment of some kind, whether it's fishing or any other type of work. We hit challenges in that, in, that, in that field of work that we're involved in. We hit times, and it doesn't matter what the job is, where we'd sell out cheap. It's interesting, looking at a recent Gallup poll, 
that 70% of American workers are what they call disengaged from their jobs. That means they don't like them. 70% of the workforce does not like what they're doing. So we have about 100 million workers in, in, in holding jobs in America. This survey found that 30 million are actively engaged uh, in, in their work, but 50 million are not, and 20 million are actively disengaged from the work, their work. So put it another way, 30% of the workforce out there likes their jobs, 70% do not like their jobs, and of that 70%, 20% absolutely hate their job. Maybe they're waiting for Jesus to walk by and offer them another option, I don't know. Peter, Andrew, James, and John left fishing immediately when Jesus called them. But, but maybe they left, and this is what I want you to get, not so much because they hated what they were doing, but something witnessed inside this, their spirit that, that told them that this was going to be one of those significant life-changing moments because that's exactly what happened to them. One thing that impresses me about Jesus is how often he called people that other people in the world didn't care much about. In fact, he specialized in doing that. Fishermen were low on, if you can put it this way, the Jewish totem pole. Even to those who liked to eat fish, they didn't think much of fishermen. But even if others could care less about these guys, Jesus let them know that they mattered to him and that they mattered to God. You know, I think one of the most important things that people need to know in life is that they matter, is that their life matters, that they have value. So tomorrow is Labor Day. This is Labor Day weekend. It's a time that we pause to appreciate the American worker and what he and she has done to make this nation a great nation. Now, I know that most people won't give a second thought to the American worker this weekend or the efforts that have gone into making this nation great. But still, I think that it's wonderful that our government created a national holiday back in 1894 that showed appreciation to the American workforce, to all of the big shots out there, to all the little shots out there, and to every shot in between. Because they all matter, and it takes all of them to make this thing called America work. Who were the first disciples that Jesus chose to be with him? They were workers. They were hard workers. They were fishermen. Because he wanted to let them know that what society maybe could care less about, God cared a ton about. And he offered them this significant career change. He said to all four of them, I will show you how to fish for people. I see three ways that Jesus engaged these four men, and I think that they are ways that he continues to engage people even today, and that we can look to him by his spirit to engage us the same way. Number one, Jesus called these four men, and his call will be upon you too. God calls everyone to salvation and to a significant life change. That call happens to everyone, whether you respond or not is your business. Verse number 19 says that Jesus called 
Peter and Andrew. Another word for the word called is the word chose. Jesus chose these four men, Peter, Andrew, James, and John. I was thinking about being chosen. You know, there is nothing worse, it's even true as an adult, but especially as a kid, there's nothing worse than not being chosen, not being asked to be part of the group. It affects our sense of value. I can remember it in school. I know it was a long time ago, but I can still remember it in school. Gym class in school. Invariably, the teacher will break the class down into two competing groups. And then he will pick two leaders, one for each group. You remember that? Then each leader would choose their team from this mass of, in my case, boys, from this mass of boys that were were left in this big group. And, And one by one, the leaders would pick the best guys to compete on their team, the best that they could find from the, from the bunch that was left. And all you could hope for as a kid was that you weren't one of the last ones chosen, or worse, that you weren't chosen at all. Because being chosen meant that you had value to the group. So here's Jesus walking along the seashore, and he calls out to these two brothers, Peter and Andrew. And he says, in effect, to these two brothers, I have chosen you for something significant, and I'm calling you to join me. And the Bible says he goes a little further down the seashore, and he comes upon James and John, and he says virtually the same thing to them. I've chosen you, and I'm calling you to join me. And the Bible says that both sets of brothers left their nets and their fishing, and they followed him. Now, Jesus wasn't belittling their profession. He was simply calling them to do something that was bigger, something that was more significant than they had ever dreamed or thought possible in their lives before. Back in their day, you followed the profession of your father, and he followed the profession of his father. It's kind of like... uh, The way it used to be here in America, my dad owned a Ford, I own a Ford. It's not like that today, but that's the way it used to be. My dad worked at such and such a place, I work at such and such a place. That's the way it used to be. In Jewish society, that's how it was. Dad was a fisherman, I'm a fisherman. That's not necessarily a bad thing, but it was almost like a a given. You didn't really have much of a choice to it. It was just expected of you. You did what dad did. And along comes Jesus, and he turns the table on all of this tradition, and he calls out to these four men to dream a dream, to live a life that takes them far beyond what they ever thought they could achieve or do with their life far more than they ever expected to have happen. And I want you to know that Jesus is still doing that very same thing in the lives of men and women all over the world today who will listen and respond to the call of God. The call of God is not selective. It's not like some are better than others. God is calling you if you're willing to listen. So it doesn't matter what you were in your past. 
And it doesn't matter what others may think about you. And it doesn't matter what the world may think about you. There is a God in heaven who is calling to each and every one of us here today if we are willing to hear and, uh, and receive the call. And if you dare to accept the challenge that he'll lay on the table, God will take you on a journey through life that you could never have anticipated farther than you ever dreamed you would ever go with your life. Jesus called four fishermen and made them fishers of men. Can you imagine what he's going to do through you? Wow. First of all, he called them. Secondly, he changed them, and he'll change you too. You've got to be changed if you're going to respond to God's call. Verse 19, he says, I will show you how. Have you ever felt like you didn't know how to do what God wants you to do? I want you to know as you lay your life on the, on the line for the Lord, he will begin to change you to show you how to do what he wants you to do. For these guys, for them to live up to this calling that, that he had given to them, he had to change them and teach them and then show them how. That was the process. And he did that in two primary ways that I want to share with you. First of all, he invited them into his life. He didn't just give platitudes and great sermons and then walk away. He invited them into his life. And what I mean by that is he invited them into his life to be with him. When you are with somebody, you get to know that person. Years ago, I heard a definition of success, which I think is so cool. It, it was given by a man by the name of John Maxwell, if you know who that is. But he, he made this statement. He said, success is when those who are closest to you know and respect you the most. Think about that. See, people can know and respect you from a distance if they don't really know you. But when people know you really well and still love and accept you and respect you, I tell you what, that is success. He invited these men into his life to be with him. I found it interesting as I turned over to the Gospel of Mark that that's exactly the reason Jesus called all of the disciples. Chapter 3, verse 14 says that he appointed 12, get this, that they might be with him. We think of him uh, calling us to big, great acts of service and phenomenal things. You know, oh, I'm going to fill stadiums with thousands and thousands of people, and all these people are going to come to Christ, and it sounds lofty and it sounds wonderful, but the reality is God is calling us to be with him. And the way then that he fulfills the call is up to him, but he's calling you to be with him. Now, what I want you to understand is it's one thing to be saved, it's one thing to be on your way to heaven. That's all wonderful. But if you are going to be an efficiently functioning part of God's family, you have got to do what those disciples did. You have got to be with Jesus Christ. So Jesus brought these disciples into his everyday, into the events of his life, the good moments, the bad moments, and the same thing will be true for us. Here's what you got to do, though. You've got to get religion out of your life. Religion sounds good, but it's a barrier between you and God because religion lies to you. Religion tells you if you do these things, then you will be near to God. 
If you do these things, then everything will be right for heaven. If you get baptized in water, if you, if you give, give so much money to the church, if you go out and feed the poor, then everything, those are all wonderful things to do, but they don't get you to heaven. They don't draw you to the heart of God. You've got to get religion out of your life. And what I mean by that is this life with Christ must go beyond just you going to church on Sundays and giving in the offering plate. This life with Christ must affect your every day. Your every day. And the only way for that to happen is to invite Jesus into the every day of your life by spending time with him. That's the only way it'll happen. These disciples spent time with Jesus. That's how they got into his life. That's how they learned his life. That's how they learned how God would react to crazy, ugly people. They watched Jesus do it. That's how they learned how to react themselves to crazy, ugly, sometimes religious people. It, it's in those quiet times that you and I have with God that God begins to change us. God begins to reveal to us who he is, and we learn from him and are changed in the process. Secondly, so firstly, he invited them into his life. Secondly, he filled them with the Holy Spirit. Before these 12 men did anything significant for God, Jesus told them in Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the, the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Folks, this is more than just saying, yes, I want Jesus my Savior. The word baptism means immersion. It means you're covered over. When you get baptized in water, the water just covers over the top of you, and you're on all in every direction of you, the water is over you. And, and if, if we could all come up and look at you under the water, what we would see is water covering every part of your body. That's what has to happen in the Holy Spirit in our lives today. It's not just inviting Jesus into our lives. It's inviting Jesus to cover over our lives with this powerful baptism of the Holy Spirit. So what these disciples did, when you read the book of Acts, you say, wow, look what these guys did. But they did none of that because of their own personal talent. They did it because the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And listen, if you have believed the lie that this was just for back then, reject it right now because the same God who baptized and filled them in the Holy Spirit is baptizing and filling God's people and renewing us day by day. We're getting stronger. We're getting better. We're moving forward in the power of God. He's going to change you, folks. He'll call you and then he'll change you. The third thing that I see happen uh, in these guys' lives was Jesus commissioned them, and his commission is upon you as well. He changed the direction of their lives. Verse 19 tells us that from that point on, fish were out, people were in. They were going, they were going one way with their lives, now they're taking another direction. And I will tell you, that God has been doing that same thing with every follower of Christ since that day. He not only calls you to salvation, but he changes you to be able to do what you thought you would never be able to do, and he sends you forth in the power of that spirit. Now, the enemy will tell you that because of your past, you can't be effective for Christ. 
I won't ask for a show of hands, but I'll bet you many of you here have heard that same line from the enemy. Don't even give it a try. Your past disqualifies you. He'll tell you that you don't have the ability to be effective for Christ. Who do you think you are? So don't even try. He'll give you a hundred reasons why you should be content to just sit back and watch the parade go right on by and not even try. I know that he does this because he's done it to me. He's done the same thing, same lines to my life, same lines to my heart. I didn't come from a prominent ministry family. Neither did Carrie. I was a no-name when I started in the ministry. They didn't have any idea who I was. I didn't have the abilities, the natural abilities that some of my, my contemporary ministry friends had. I'm not a natural, but Jesus called me anyway. He put his hand upon me anyway. And I'm doing things for God I never thought I would be able to do. I never dreamed God would take me down the road he's taken me. And yes, it has stretched me. And yes, it takes faith to do these things. And yes, it has scared me to death at times. But it has caused me to rely upon Jesus and not upon my own strength. In fact, Paul said that's exactly the way it should be. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9, he says, As a result, we stopped relying on ourselves, and we learned to rely on God. That's where he wants to take you. So God will send you. He will commission you to do only what he can do through you. And it's scary sometimes. Some of you are saying, I don't want to be scared but you will be so thrilled with what God does through you. If you'll trust him, you'll find your life touching the lives of other people in a way that you never thought possible or never saw it happening to you. You'll find your prayers touching heaven in a way that you have never known before. If you're wondering if you really matter, I want to tell you today that you matter. You matter to us, you matter to the family of God, and you matter most importantly to Jesus. He knows where you're at. He knows what you're going through. He knows what you've been through, and he is still calling you, and he will change you, and commission you and send you out to make a difference in the world in which we live. But it all gets down to this. Will you surrender yourself to the plan? You matter to God either way. But if you'll surrender to him, you'll matter to his kingdom purpose in a way that you never thought possible. Will you surrender yourself? Will you today just say, God, I don't know what's all involved in this, but I trust you? And I surrender myself to your plan with my life. So here's what I want to end this service with and what I think God wants to tell you. Your past is no longer your present. You thought you were going to be tied to all that stuff. You thought you would never escape it. You thought it would define you and your children the rest of your life. But Jesus says, I have a new identity for you. You're about to go through a spiritual transformation if you're ready, and I would add, if you're willing, because you matter. You matter to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
So I'm going to invite you to stand with me today. I don't know if this message touched anybody more than just me, but sometimes we can get so caught up in what we don't do right and what we aren't that we never stop to think about what we are in the sight of God. I'm not perfect. I make huge mistakes all the time. I get so angry at myself. I think, oh, you ought to be beyond that. But there it is, it pops up again. It can really pop up and bang at her. <laughs> Some of you know what I mean? Sometimes it can pop up in the ministry. The devil just has a way of knowing how to push your buttons. And you think because of that that it disqualifies you. And God says, you know what, I've had it with you. In my mind's eye, I can see the Lord saying, Heirs, you've been around 64 years. You should be way beyond this by now. And he's probably right. But what God was saying to me through all of this is, if I can take four smelly fishermen, I was going to say, who curse like a sailor, but I had a mother of a sailor come up and, one time when I said that from the pulpit and chastised me for saying that. Because so, her son was a born-again believer and he didn't curse. But you, you know what I mean by saying that. Um, these guys... You know, I just see Peter in the, the local pub, bar, just duking it out with the other guy. I mean, he was just, he was in trouble all the time. Had a big mouth, never knew when to keep it shut. So you can just see him, he had scars. And Jesus said, Peter, I'm going to change your life if you'll follow me. I'm going to show you how to fish for people. Only you're not going to gut them. You're going to build them up. You're going to help change them. You're going to deliver my life to them. When I'm gone, Peter, you're going to take care of my lambs. Do you love them, Peter? Do you love them? Then, Peter, let my life flow through you to them. This is Pastor Eric. Thanks so much for checking out our Life Church podcast. We pray that it's a blessing to you. For more information about Life Church, check us out at lifechurchutah.com.